Hey, security peeps, it's Renee Small. We are back here again, all of us, finally. I am here with my fabulous co-host, Chris Folon. Say hi to everyone, Chris. Hey, everyone. And Jules. Okafor. Okafor. <laughs> Sorry, Jules. <laughs> Jules is here with us today. Thank you so much for being here and, and jumping in so quickly. Um, we have had so many fabulous people on and today we had a cancellation and Jules was so kind enough to jump in and give her time at the last minute. So we really, really appreciate you, Jules. Thank you. So we are gonna jump in now, as you all probably have already seen or know about us, breaking into cybersecurity. This crowdcast is focused on folks who've broken into the industry within the past five years. And we want to jump in with Jules, learn all about you, Jules. We wanna know what made you be interested in the field. And then we'll start digging into more questions around how you actually were able to break in. Great. So go for it. Excited. So my name is Julieta Kafor. Um, I'm called Jules in the industry. Um, I am currently the Senior Vice President of Global Sales for Habituate, but I'm also the CEO of Revolution Cyber, uh, a company focusing on building out integrated security programs. Very, wow. very cool. You're like the biggest deal that we've had on here, I think. Oh. Wow. I know, we're excited. I'm not, I'm not sure about something about them or me. You know, no credit taken. So tell us, how did you break into the field? Like, what made you get interested in cyber? Like, walk us through the process of how you got here today. So I always talk to people about the fact that today and what people see came from a very difficult road. So um, in 2013, I was pregnant with my second child and lost my job in March. Um, essentially, I had studied law. I knew I was going to be the biggest, baddest person in sales. And 15 of us were fired on the same day. I found out that day. Um, I found out maybe a week later I was pregnant. And, um, and so had no opportunities and really just decided I was going to stay home with the kid and my, 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 with my pregnancy and then with my other child for 10 months. Um, at the tail end of it, 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 it I, had, I had basically said, you know, whatever it is that I do next, it needs to be an industry that's going up. So prior to that, I sold libraries, go to libraries. I was in real estate at the height of the recession. Um, and then I also had sold into a lot of other industries that really market research was going down. I think, you know, with social media, people didn't need it as much. And I applied to a job online. I applied to a job on Craigslist. When I tell people that, they're like, are you kidding? Like, that's where all the bad stuff is happening with security. But that's where I found my first job. Um, it was for an account executive position. Uh, it was for an MSSP out in Ashburn. I lived in Bowie at the time, knew it would be two hours. And I always say I thank God that I drove there and the building existed. And so, <laughs> so you guys took a chance on a woman who had no experience. Um, but what I would say got me into the role was I had a passion and I told them to just give me a chance and I would prove to them that I could do a good job. And I was offered the job and um, that was 2014. Um, I was offered the job in October and uh, within six months, I they fired my boss and I was his boss. Um, and uh, I built out the first sock at the Bank of Tanako. And so it's an amazing story how I got into it, but it wasn't planned. 
And I really had to beg for an opportunity and I got the job. Wow. Yeah. Wow. T tell us about your experience. Uh, I guess that sounds like you were drinking from a fire hose. Um, how, how did how did you go about doing that and um, getting to such a successful place? So, you know, the, the biggest, I guess, misconception about being good in a sales role or in a consulting role is people think that it's like used car sales. Um, in security, that's not the case. You have to understand the customer. You have to understand the market. You have to understand the product. And then you have to understand exactly what the problems and the challenges are that the company is facing. So what I did is I sat every single day with the SOC team. I, I had to understand what issues were coming up, what they were promising the customer, what um, threats were being posed into the environment. And then I had to understand how they were working day to day in order to respond quicker, faster. What made us different than the next guys? And within about a few months, the guys were bringing me into meetings because they wanted me to understand so that I wasn't overselling the expectation. And what I did was I collaborated with the technical teams. I sat in on meetings. I worked. I came to work early. I stayed late. And ultimately, what I found was the more I could partner with groups that I relied upon to do my work, the better I became as a salesperson. That's really what I think is the driver for my career has been building strategic partnerships and helping people um, who, who can then help me. That's fascinating. Go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, we, we often talk about how cyber is such a broad field and it just goes to show like um, we need everyone in all the different aspects of it to help promote the industry and to not oversell expectations so that the customers don't end up on the, the bad end of a deal. And I, I love that approach of yours. Yes, um, I, I think. And, and also, there's a lot of mystification in security. Um, security is a business problem, just like all the other problems that exist in a business. Um, so only technical people can't solve a business problem. You need lots of different business people with different skill sets. So when I came to the table, I already had a law degree. So I knew how to understand a problem and, and build a case for the problem, right? Which is critical in cybersecurity. But I also had high analytical skills. So I knew how to take something I didn't know and break it down so I could learn and digest the pieces. And then better yet, communication skills. So I knew how to talk to the people who knew better than me how to get it done. I think a lot of times we think you need to be a pen tester, you need to be a hacker, you need to be, um, you need to have all these certifications and those are important, but the business skills you need in order to relate to other people are much more foundational and much more critical. That's such a valid point. We say that we, you know, the people who've come on this crowdcast have been from so many different backgrounds. And Chris drills it in every time and says, you know, we need people from all different backgrounds and you hit the nail on the head specifically around the business. Uh, when I'm talking to leadership and trying to understand what it is they need from a HR perspective and a recruitment perspective, and I mean, you hit on everyone, the communication skills, you know, like they don't need, as they call all the time, propeller heads, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like the constant, everyone thinks like, oh, I'm the best technical person and absolutely we need best technical people, but we additionally need the, the communication skills, you know, your law degree probably comes in so handy for them, um, having that background, the analytical piece, the communication piece, and bringing it all together and then being able to you know, speak to people at all levels because you're talking to the SOC team, 
who are probably, you know, more junior, and then you're taking that information, and then you're going into the sales meetings with the executives that are making the business decisions. So being able to communicate at all levels is definitely key as well. Um, I want to know more about the process at, on Craigslist. So tell me what was posted, what made you even look at that job? What else were you looking for on Craigslist? Because people ping us all the time. And the whole the whole premise behind breaking into security, breaking into cybersecurity is that I feel like everybody we, we talked to got their job a different way. Yes. So this is awesome. Tell me about the Craigslist. So when I was starting my career, there was this book called The Accidental Salesperson. And like it taught you if you just had a career in sales, like how you needed to get into it. I think we need a book called The Accidental Security Person, because to be honest, everybody happens into it. I feel like there are not a lot of people who, you know, went to school, knew they'd you know, grow up to be security people. But what I often. OK, so when I when I went on Craigslist, um, I was looking for a job not security job, I was looking for a job, um, a sales job specifically. But, you know, the criteria that I set for myself on Craigslist was I wanted to be with a small company. I wanted someplace I could grow my career and I wanted a company that would value my experience. So that those are kind of the criteria across the board. As I and, and I and I mentor people all the time looking to get into security. The biggest thing I need people to know is your resilience and grit will be the defining character between you getting a job and someone else getting a job. So there's Monster, there's Career Builder, there's Dice, there's Indeed, there's LinkedIn. There's, there are thousands and thousands of jobs that people say are available. The question is, what are you looking for? How do you define yourself? And do you stop when you keep hearing the no's? Because Here's here's the key. If they had told me no, I would have gone back and and I would have gone and do it, done it again. You know why? I had two little kids at home that were relying on me to to make money, and I knew that I could not fail. If you go into the mindset with the I cannot fail, then all you're doing is saying this person said no, but I've got to keep going until I find the person who will say yes. And the most important part is how do I find a network of people? So my resume stands out because this person's walking my resume into the person to make the decision. How do I you know, work with someone like me or talk to people who have a tremendous network? Like I've got 10, almost 10,000 people on LinkedIn that I have first connections with that I built over the course of this cybersecurity career. And I know that if I need a job, when I found this new job with Habituate, the first thing I did was go to my network. And I asked them to put resumes, put my resume in for me and to give, give me a good word. In security, it's such a small industry and it, and people are risk averse. You've got to reduce the risk that they're taking bringing you in. And how do you do that? By getting closer to people, talking to people and admitting you need the help. I think too many of us are afraid to admit we need help. That, that's so true. Um, I was on a podcast the other day and the, the host summarized some of the advice that I was giving that we ask what is predominantly in our industry known as introverts to go out and meet people and talk to people and communicate. And I'm like, yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's ways to do it that it's not as challenging because some people might uh, be afraid of the face to face, but um, you could do Twitter, you could do LinkedIn where you're still, you still have that comfort behind the screen while still making that connection. Agree. So I, my senior vice president role at Habituate came, Chad reached out to me on Twitter. I don't know if he'll ever admit it, 
but he had seen <laughs> some of the things that I posted um, and he, he liked my point of view. And he said, you know, do you know anybody who would be interested in this job? Um, I'd like to consider you. And, I, and it happened that I was available. So that was another situation where um, people came to me. And a lot of times with introverts, you've got to figure out a way to draw people to you so you don't have to keep going out of your way to, to get them closer and, and to offer you jobs. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. Um, and, and Chris, I, I listened to Chris. I was going to talk about your podcast or him being on the other side of this is now Chris is such a celebrity that he's being invited on podcasts, <laughs> multiple podcasts. And so he made such a valid point. And we, and, you know, we talk about that because we listen to the folks that come on here and they say, you know, I applied to 200 positions and I've done all this stuff. And, you know, we're trying to part of bringing this together is like, it does not have to be that difficult and yes. you made such a valid point when you said persistence or my mom used to always say persistence seldom fails yeah so when you said you had those two little kids that were counting on you you had to you could not fail like there's losing is not an option agreed you know? so doing whatever you need to do and from an introvert's perspective posting and you know Chris is phenomenal about keeping us all informed with all these podcasts that he listens to and his yeah. two hour commute to and from work. And <laughs> you the know biggest, biggest thing I look so here's the thing. I have I had two kids, but you might have a doggy baby, you might have student loans, you might have parents who need you to get out of the house, you right. might have just this desire to see yourself succeed. Whatever it is that's your internal driver, use that. The other thing is you must have a perspective that's unique that is drawn from your resume. So too many people are sending out these resumes that say absolutely nothing about what they are and who, you know, who they are and what they can do. Get a cover letter on your resume if you can't spend the money. This is not the place to be cheap. Spend the money. It may cost you, but you want to have a narrative of how your experience has brought you to where you are and why it's relevant for the job you're applying to. If you can do that in a very, very successful way, you will get the job. Now, I can't guarantee people will be able to see how brilliant you are and it jumps off the page, but you increase the likelihood of getting a job because breaking into cybersecurity is like breaking into any industry. You've gotta be somebody people want to be a part of, to know, to work with. And I think that people think their talents alone will do it. Your personality has to shine in a resume. And I would say, as, as a salesperson, I've always known how to sell, and especially myself. So if you're an introvert, how do you get the skills to sell yourself? Because many of us are very humble. We don't want to look like we're bragging. Brag. Brag on your resume. Tell people what you can do, what you have done, what you haven't done yet, and then make the connection to their company. Um, this, this industry is welcoming. But really, like I said, it's about risk. And it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's an industry that really tries to avert risk. And we're afraid of people who can't demonstrate that they've done it before. But there's a lot of opportunity once you get in. And each one, teach one. That's all I say. I Help somebody else get in. That's our job. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, definitely. Pa pass the ladder back down. Um, yes. you, with regards to the, the recent point you just made with um, saying where you're not good at yet. So how do you close that gap? How do you keep up with the change in the industry? Okay, so the, the, the stumbling question is always, um, what, would you, what are your weaknesses? What are the things you don't do well? Um, my answer is always, well, okay, 
I'm going to give you the real one. The real one I give people <laughs> and the one that I should give people. So the real one I say is I come up with a, a strength that can be switched to a weakness. Like, you know, I often work, uh, I work more than I should on things. I have a hard time, you know, moving on to new things. It, it sounds like I'm a workaholic, but essentially in this industry, being a workaholic isn't bad. So it's kind of, I'm taking something that could be considered a strength. I'm switching it to something that sounds negative. And then I say, well, the, the beauty is um, in my future, I know that I want to delegate more. I want to make more time, work-life balance and those sort of things. So you take a strength, switch it to a weakness, and then you give a reason how you're going to compensate for it. The answer that I want to give is if you have a weakness, pick the one that allows for mentorship, right? So um, my biggest weakness was my technical skill always. Um, when I when I joined, I had no background in it. But And they asked me, okay, so why should we hire you? Um, despite despite the fact that you have no experience, you you don't even know what security is. I said, here's the deal. I'll outwork everybody in order to get this role. I will read whatever books you recommend. What books would you recommend so I can actually get up to speed on it? Or I'd say, I'll sit in the sock with whatever technical people that you want me to sit with. So you have to take a weakness that you have and then admit to it, but then you immediately have to tell them how they can help you to fix it. And if you can give them something that's doable, then they can train you up. Now, it, it may be a situation where you actually reduce your value, but the question is not whether you want to make top dollar, it's how do I get in? Get in and then move up. But admit to the weakness that someone else can help you fix. Don't admit to I have a hard time waking up in the morning. Don't, don't do that. That's not gonna help you out. Um, admit to something that is coachable. That, that someone can help you to fix or that you already have a fix for that you're in the process of fixing. Like, you know, uh, you know, one of my weaknesses is I don't have a certification in, uh, I don't have a CEH, but you know, I want to be a hacker. Okay. Well, how do you intend to fix that? Well, I'm in the process of getting, of working on that. And I have a number of, I'm in B-wise. Um, I go to a number of cons uh, at this time and I'm, I'm trying to learn how to do that. Those are things that, that are coachable that can be fixed. I think wow. your interviewing tips are awesome. You know, like, well, step one, you talked about how to position yourself on that resume to get the interview. And then yes. getting that interview when you get in there, some of the questions that they ask and providing the types of answers that are going to resonate so people are not running for the hills. So you talk about kind of, you know, there, there there's so many things to unpack in what you just talked about. Um, from connecting with folks and having your network on LinkedIn and Twitter and social media, pu pushing out information that you and you know Chris, you guys do this phenomenally, like constantly pushing information out. Because when you were like, you know, we've never met really or connected, but it's like Jules is oh, Jules is ready. Let's go, let's get Jules on. You know, <laughs> like oh, we want Jules. You know, and it's it's funny because we know each other from LinkedIn and then you know what what ends up happening Chris and I the funniest thing we've been doing this for when did we connect Chris last year we connected uh, yeah. like, it hasn't been that long we connected like a year ago if that and then you know very quickly got into doing this and we just met each other in person at wow. besides Nova like yeah. <laughs> this year oh my goodness so we had not even met each other in person and so between the phone calls, the, you know, the text messages and all that, and from doing this, it's just like, oh my God, I can't even believe that we haven't 
physically met each other. But so much happens with social media. So much happens. And there's been so much, you know, back and forth with us and with other people and connections and all that. And so you almost feel like you, it's not even like you feel like you know the person. You know the person. You know the person. I, know Chris. I could recommend Chris to whatever. And, um, and you know him more than you might know your peers or people right. you live next to. Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So being that, you know, doing the networking that you guys do is just so awesome because then everyone knows you. And like you said, when you're looking for a new opportunity or when Chris was looking, you know, making a change and what have you, people are coming to you, which is what you always want is to get people attracted to you. You want to be a okay. magnet, um, right. which is what I talk about on another end when I talk to a leadership, <laughs> when it comes to the recruiting aspect, I'm like, you want people to be like, you want to be a magnet. Um, yes. that's one piece of it. Then you also, you also brought in the, um, you know, having somebody advocate on your behalf and having that, you know, when you do have the resume buttoned up and you do have everything and it looks great and you're LinkedIn and you've been doing all these things, then having that network of people. So if Jules is referring somebody and passing that resume, it's going to come, like you said, it's it's eliminating the risk of who is this random person? Like, oh, Jules recommended them? Okay, they must be good. Chris recommended, Chris recommended somebody this morning and I jumped on the phone with him and he's probably going to get an interview like yep. immediately. Yep. So things like that, where it's just like, okay, if it's coming from this recommendation, they're probably top notch. They're probably, you know, like if yep. it, it removes that risk factor, right? And then another thing people know, people want to connect and work with people they know and like and all that other good stuff that also adds that level of it. Um, but you hit on some really, really great things when it comes to that interviewing part and that kind of like looking in a different place. Because who would have ever thought to look on Craigslist yes. for a job? And who would have thought that a security job? Now I got to go look on Craigslist. Like, I don't even know <laughs> Craigslist. What's well, going on I, Craigslist? I'm hoping the company that I work for stopped advertising on there. But, you know, we <laughs> <laughs> but, look, but look, but definitely look. Because a lot of small companies have to start there. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is, if you're looking to break into cybersecurity, start with small businesses. Mm -hmm. They they can't afford the kinds of $250 an hour, $250,000, $200,000. And they sometimes just need somebody who can they can designate as security person who will then help with IT things and just be willing to wear many hats. Right. So it's also important to say, okay, well, I'm willing to start with the company that would be best suited for me as opposed to who I want to work with, right? Because sometimes we, we want to work with the Microsofts and we want to work with all these big names. Sometimes it's okay. I want to work with Joe's Shack, whatever it is, sorry, um, and or, or Joe's accounting firm. And Joe is willing, he's, just, he's the owner. He needs a security program. I'm an analyst. Okay, I, I don't have all the skill sets, but Joe, I'm willing to do that. I need some training. I need these things. Have the conversation. Um, there are a lot of people who I mentor now. They're afraid to have the conversation. They're afraid of the rejection. You got to get past the rejection. You got to just talk to as many people as possible. And then what do you learn from each conversation? And use that as a driver to keep to keep going. Yeah. Um, if you haven't been turned down at least, you know, for 70% of the jobs that you applied for, you're not trying hard enough. Yeah. You know, when people say, oh, you know, I put a resume in, I immediately got offered the job. You're wonderful. Great. But what jobs could you, maybe you're applying to only the jobs that you're good for now. Maybe you're not stretching yourself. Maybe you should be in a higher job. Yeah. Um, this industry is is very, very 
it teaches you lessons fast. You've got to be able to react to them and turn them into how you continue to drive your career success. It's so important. How you get in is how you move up. So, so keep grinding. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's a great advice uh, for individuals. Think about where you want to go and what will take you from where you are now to where you want to get. So, for example, for me, I want to become a CISO. So my next step will, will be like a director type role and um, managing director level things before I could become a CISO. So me is preparing myself to managing people, managing budgets, managing programs, making those sorts of steps before I could get to the CISO level. So um, think about where you want to go and then you can break it down to smaller steps on how you want to get there. And, and even if you don't know where you, you want to go, the key is to keep your mind open to what the role is. So when I first started in law school, I never thought I'd be in cybersecurity, but a lot of it applied. And I, and I did it because I thought it was a good education, right? So if you want to get a certification, don't say, oh, I know that I want to be this, but I don't know how this applies. Get the cert. We're a continuous learning industry. While you're getting a job, keep learning. Keep going out to talk to people. Keep um, you know, finding new books, new tools, new resources. And, and, I, and I find that for me, when I was at Fortress and I was hiring people, because I, I brought a, a young man who was in, in, he had no experience, but he was so driven, he made $140,000 out the gate. Um, and, I, and I advocated for him because he said, Juliet, if you just get me in, I'll do the work. He is phenomenal now, doing all kinds of NERC assessments and speaking broadly. But somebody will see your value. You just got to keep going and you have to be humble. You got to, it's a humbling experience. You got to be humble about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I would add that, you know, realizing or it's okay that you don't know everything, you know, it's yeah. okay because I think what tends to happen, you brought up some points about people feel like the rejection or they don't want to hear the no and what have you. And most of these, we, we talked about, I think, Chris, were you not talking about job descriptions or was I just listening to you talk about the job descriptions on podcasts? How these job descriptions are just ridiculous. You know, a lot of them, they ask for everything under the sun. It's virtually impossible. You know, a lot of times they come to, and I see this as an HR professional, I push back a lot because the, 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 a lot of the times the managers pull them from somewhere and they find a job description from somebody else or whatever, and they want to add their things or, a lot of times what tends to happen is Jules is phenomenal. She's been in the job for five years. She started as this. She has a law degree, so we got to yeah. get somebody else with a law degree. She <laughs> had this. She had all these certs over the past five years, so this person has to have all these certs. We want another Jules. It's like, okay, Jules is $250,000. Like, yeah. You can't get that for seventy five dollars or whatever it is. And, and right? Jules has student loans back. We shouldn't do that to people, okay? <laughs> yes, Jules is awesome. And it would be phenomenal to get another Jules. But guess what? Do you really need that? Do you need no. a And no. you don't do you need a Jules. You need a Pablo and you need a Peter and you need a Jane and you need all of us together. Right. That's the problem is when we hire people, it needs to be complementary, not duplicative. Yeah. It needs to be so they, and they tend to, and I, and I get it because I've worked with hiring managers for years now. I mean, I've been in recruiting way too long, 17 <laughs> days. I don't even know why, how I'm still doing it. But I've talked to managers and I have to talk them off the ledge a lot of times because they're like, no, no, no. 
Jules was awesome. We need another Jules. She's leaving. We got to get somebody just like her. And I'm like, okay, you have to understand that she's grown over, you know, in that role. So yes, she took on all these things. Yes, Chris is amazing. When he came in seven years ago, he's not the same person he is today. So we have to take this, what you're describing in this one job description is like four jobs. Nobody's going to have this kind of background. So on the other hand, though, the candidates are out there looking, the people looking to break into the industry, they see these jobs and they're like, oh my God, I would never like, they, like, like, you know, Chris talked about on his podcast and you're talking about now, or we're talking about the people Chris is, Chris said, he made an excellent point. You know, some people, if they see to your point, you know, if they don't have a hundred percent of the things on the job description, they're not going to apply. Oh Whereas an egotistical, you know, another person might say, oh, I have one or two of these things, I'll apply. So yes. you get, you know, people who could very well do that job, not applying, not getting the rejections, not they're saying, you know, absolutely not. And we have to get away from that fear. That fear we, have, of, we have to stop blaming the candidates. Yeah. There's a lot of candidate bashing that I see online. It's and it's, it's, it's ridiculous because what we do isn't easy. So you need to build the confidence of the people coming in. But we, people apply, we don't give back to them. Or we put them through these very, like these jumping through hoops in order to get the job. And then when they get it, they, we say, okay, do you have 10 years experience? We're gonna pay you $60,000. No, that, it's ridiculous. So on the other hand, part of what the work is that I'm doing on the other side is, I sit on the, um, the board for Fordham University, which is where I went um, for my master's. I'm helping them build out a program. It's called the Bridge to Cyber so that they can take people with some of the requisite technical skills we need in risk management and project management um, in the legal career and move them into cybersecurity jobs and policy making um, in uh, in risk management and security portfolio program project management. And I'm helping the schools understand that we have an issue. You're not giving them the requisite business skills in order to get the jobs, but you're charging them all this money for the degrees. Then they're going into the companies. The companies won't pay them what they just paid for the degree. So people are looking for these high paying jobs. And then these jobs that we really need, like the analyst roles, sit empty because the companies don't want to invest in the people. They don't want to invest in developing a whole person. So we have a problem on a number of levels. And what I'm seeing happen is that there are companies coming together to build more paths, paths into the industry that are sustainable, that are repeatable. So A company like, for instance, a major airline or like a major bank can say, these are the core skill sets we need for this person to have walking in the door. No. No. Looks like Jules fell off. Oh my God. And we're in our last couple, like we're running over time right now. I know. (laughs) It's just been riveting conversation. I know. She's so good. We have to bring her back. Oh man. Well, she dropped off. Jules dropped off. Um, and we're at, we're, you know, 32 minutes. We're a couple minutes past the, 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 um, the hour. So I am going to do this. Let me see if Jules looks like she's coming back on. If you don't get it back on in a couple minutes, we will just end and then do a part two because this is so juicy. And I want to make sure that we get um, we get Jules back on here. Yeah, let's 
seen anything. Yeah, I don't think she's gonna make it back on. No, well, it was great having her on, and yeah, we can. Oh, there she is. I'm back. You're back. Okay, so Jules, we have like a couple seconds. We're actually over time. Okay. So what Chris and I were just saying is that this was so, so good and juicy and the conversation is so good. And I totally, I mean, what you just talked about with the with the students and the schools and we we hear this, we see it, and I 100% agree. I actually want to partner up with you on some of this stuff because we get it. You yeah, know, the reason why Chris and I did this is because we it, it's precisely what you're talking about precisely um, the points that you made. Great. So um, we have to have you back again. Thanks. We're at, we're past the half an hour mark. Okay. Um, and Chris, you want anything to add before we wrap? No, uh, just say, I truly appreciate your time. Love your advice. And maybe we'll do a Jules special. We are, we need another, we need a follow-up. We I have to do another. It. We have to have you back on. Jules, thank you so much. Chris, thank you again. Um, People are typing in saying they love this. Thank you. So this please is so feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn um, and I'll do what I can. Uh, hopefully I can come back. Yes, okay. absolutely. Perfect. Thank you. Bye Talk guys. To you soon. Thank you. Bye everybody. Bye.